0: Welcome to the For Real For Real podcast, where we share our reality and perspectives on what's going on in the world of pop culture, sports, relationships, society, and much, much more, all while keeping it real and getting into the shits, as we like to say. This is your boy, Trevor.
1: I'm Jeff Brooks, the Renaissance Man.
0: This is your boy, Big Easy. Let's get this show on the road, man. Let's roll with it. It's been yet another heavy, heavy week out here, man. I feel like I've been saying that every week of 2020 about how it just gets worse and worse and worse. And you wonder at times, like, you know, what is what is there to look forward to? Where's the joy in the world with so much despair, destruction, random police acts of violence, by police rather. But this week I'm most disheartened over something that I feel like we can affect some actual change on, man. I've been wrestling with this for a few weeks and trying to find the best way to go about it. But let me open up the floor to y'all, man. Like, maybe y'all can help me out. Like, what can we do? And we must do everything in our power. What can we do to save the
2: pink? Wow. This is something that's been troubling me as well, Trevor. I've been thinking about this. And I think the only possible way that we can save the pink is if we set off an auction for Uncle Clifford's wardrobe. I think that alone, if we sell the items from his closet, we should have enough to pay off that $50,000 debt. What do you guys say?
1: I certainly think that works. I was hoping maybe Brandy and Monica could do their verses out of there, man. But if not, you know, maybe Uncle uh, Clifford could start a, you know, an OnlyFans page. Get that money
0: that way. I'm into that, not as a subscriber, but as a way to kind of just do what we need to do as people to make sure it happens. I was gonna say, you know, I mean, I feel like he can he can, you know, get a little food truck going with those uh with those wings that they're making up in there. There's just so many options. But I mean, jokes aside, this is a special episode that we have today. Mainly we're starting off with a show that a lot of us have become huge fans of and that's really taking taking social media by storm this season. That's P Valley on Stars. If you haven't watched it yet, highly suggest checking it out it's a very interesting drama focused on basically the strip club culture and um a town that's uh, fabricated to kind of feel like memphis right but the characters and the storylines and just the tales that they go through are i think a lot deeper and and you kind of fall in love with the characters and find a new appreciation for i want to even say humanity in in the strip club so to kind of dive in on this discussion with us a little bit more we brought in a very, very special guest, man, and, and we're happy to have him to kind of join us in this discussion. So let's give a big round of applause as we welcome the ism to the For Real, For Real podcast.
2: You got some horns, my man. You already know. Peace, fellas.
0: The Ism, and I'll let you kind of go in on your own introduction, man, but an accomplished artist, a man that we've, we've all known for well over 15 years now, it just felt right to kind of bring into the storylines that we're going to touch on from, from the show and then how we kind of bring that into what's going on in the real world. The Ism, tell them a little bit about yourself and kind of bring the world into your story and brought you here today. First of all, uh, peace to the brothers, my actual brothers. Peace to the Furrow, Furrow family. My name is
3: The Ism. I'm from North New Jersey. I'm an alternative hip-hop, spoken word, hip-house, artist, producer, author. I have a book out. Oh, shit, I do have a book out. Yeah, that too. Uh, Sad Black Boys Are Beautiful Too on Amazon. Uh, Go get that. Uh, The follow-up is coming next year. I am an artist, artist. I love music. I love to create it. I love to perform it and just transport people to another place. I decided to come out after the Pulse Light Club shooting. I remember how that really rocked me, and I was sitting in my apartment, and I was like, I have to say something. And I found the instrumental for energy by Drake, and I went in my bedroom, and I wrote my rhyme, and I recorded it Mm -hmm. on my phone, on a multi-track recorder app on my phone, and I put it out. And that was the beginning of my journey, like, you know, still doing hip-hop, but you know, having to let people know, okay, you know, like, this is what it is. My music up until that point was very, very general. I never used pronouns, you know, anything of that nature. I just wanted everything to be general so everybody can have fun. And the post-Nightclub shooting happened, and that could have been me, in the club with my homies in Miami or, yeah. in, Atlanta, or in New York. So I just kind of felt like I needed to say
2: something. And so I did Wow, brother. That certainly was a monumental moment in your life, I'm sure. I remember the post-nightclub shooting when it happened. As somebody on the outside looking in on the LGBTQ plus community, it definitely tugged at my heartstrings. And it's, you know, it's clear that that had a major effect on your life. But my question to you is once, you know, you did come out, like, was it you coming out to your family? Was it coming out to your inner circle? And ultimately, how did that feel? You know, just getting that off your chest, this is a really loaded question because I,
3: I didn't come out to my family as being an artist until maybe last year. Even with the whole Spike Lee thing that happened in 2015, I don't really know if like they really took it seriously. For me, it was more so for the people that were actually supporting my music because you know the last thing that I wanna do is not be authentic. Like, I don't wanna keep making this music and it's not real. I'm not gonna talk about busting shots and selling drugs because that's not my life. But I can talk about being insecure. I can talk about having low self-esteem. I can talk about abandonment because I've been through that. And I didn't wanna have to live my life as an artist not being authentic. And even though I was nervous and I was scared and after I put the song on, I was like, okay, well, that's it. Well, I'm done, but no. I started getting booked and then I did the Dark Alley Echoes project with Unusual. Shout out to our brother Unusual. After that, we were getting booked so much. It was crazy. Like there were times where like he would turn down shows because like I was like, yo, they want us to be here. One well, was like, yeah, I kind of can't do that one. Like it was just so crazy that I thought that my artist life was going to be over when
2: I came out, but it actually blossomed after that, which I think is crazy. But how did it feel personally to you, you know, to finally get that off your chest? So I get it from an artistic perspective. And as far as how the industry accepted you and, you know, I'm sure there's a whole segment of the population who's yearning for more artists that are being honest with themselves and and to their life. But as far as like, just for you, just like walking down the street the next day, like, did you feel like you accomplished something by doing that? Because I mean, it had to be pent up for a while. I was scared. I had been putting out music since
3: 2012. I had been making beats since 2004 when I was at Ramapo. I started performing as the ISM 2006, 2007. So I was scared that everything that I had done and how I had built this whole thing up was gonna be over. I was terrified. But that wasn't the case, which I'm happy for. So seeing people like Ken, who's an art artist, get signed to a major label Uh, seeing people like Saucy Santana picking up steam, um, it's it's encouraging. But at the same time, I still feel like an outsider in my opinion. That's that on that, but I was terrified. I didn't want my dream to be over. And it was just beginning, apparently.
0: So for the folks who don't know, tell us what the Spike Lee opportunity actually was.
3: I uh, submitted I Don't Feel God, I saw an ad on Facebook that Spike Lee was looking for unsigned artists to submit music for this film called The Sweet Blood of Jesus and we didn't know what the film was about, nothing. So I just picked I Don't Feel God. The movie is called The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Maybe there's something in there about God or Jesus or Christianity or religion. So maybe this song might fit. And he actually picked it. And to have had that that experience, being in the same room with Wesley Snipes and Valerie Simpson, like, and it be this scary gay black boy from the hood, like, it was weird. Like, it was weird. But I had to accept that, you know, good things are going to happen to me, regardless of all of the horrible things that have gone on in my life, me being beat up and all of that shit. There are people that will actually respect me. For Spike Lee to to look my gay ass in my eyes and say, your shit is hot. Thank you, brother. Do you know what that did for me? It was like, yo, like, I've been watching this man's movies for years, and he looked me in my face and said my shit was dope. That's another point of brothership. These are things that are very, very integral in establishing positive relationships between straight and gay black men. And I just really feel like, I don't think I would still be doing music if Spike hadn't given me that opportunity to be real. You know, the opportunities that we give to our own people is, you know, important, but I'm sure he didn't really think about me being gay, but the fact that he gave me a shot for me, for my community to see that happen to me, that meant more to me than anything.
0: Yeah, man, it's a dope song, man, and and well-deserved to kind of be featured on that platform. But that, to kind of bring it full circle, reminds me, right, of the storyline of Little Murder in P-Valley, right? And his journey kind of kicks off with this mission to get his song played in the club. And you can see him seeking validation as an artist, as a human, with getting his song played by the DJ. And the first time they play a song... I think it was like, you know, everyone was like, what the F is this? You know, midway through the season, he gets another song on there. The song kind of rings off. And then all of a sudden, his confidence goes up another level. All of a sudden, he's walking in his own light and not really, and really got kind of like removing that cloak, right, of who he really is. He's like, hey, you know, Uncle Clifford, let's go out on a date. I don't care who sees. Like, he he his whole demeanor changes. When they went out accepted. on a date out here spoiler alert,
1: spoiler. See, <laughs> alert. like yo we started <laughs> this conversation by saying we only episodes three and episodes four and hey. you Thank out you, here man. just like hey. Hey, Brother, I, that, that shot dumbass asshole
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> to tie it back in, to to tie it back in.
2: <laughs> okay. So Trevor, finish that point, bro.
0: <laughs> Basically, Little Murder kind of comes into his own when he has that validation of the art that he's been creating, the art and that that's he's been working five, for. To me. I guess, how does does the art that you kind of put your energy into And I know that it's a way of expressing yourself and also kind of getting things off of your chest. The validation of having your art accepted into the world, how does that impact the validation that you have in yourself, right? Like, does the acceptance of your art, even if it's kind of someone hears your your song in a movie, they're not necessarily hearing and looking at you and talking to you. But the fact that you know that your song is being heard there, how has that kind of reassured you in the man that you are in the life that you've been living?
3: When the scene came on, when my song came on in the movie, I was crying so hard, but I kind of tried to like restrain myself because Spike Lee and Wesley Science were sitting right behind me. And everybody gets to hear my song, but they don't know it's me. And I see people doing this in front of me. It was like, holy shit, holy shit, it's fucking happening, holy shit. And it made me feel like, you know what? Maybe I do have something here. Maybe if I get out of my own way, out of my own head, and stop being scared about people sm- people smelling the fucking gay on me, maybe if I can just be an artist, maybe people will, will really rock with you. That's why you got your Black Boy Wonderman. because of Spike Lee. If that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be doing music anymore. I might not even be alive to like really be fucking with you, because without music, I feel like I don't have anything. So he made me feel like he gave me an um, unlike a second win, you know, to push a little bit harder and to try it again. Like I am in debt to Spike Lee in ways that I cannot explain. So just that was the validation that I was looking for for my entire life. That's it. That was the validation that I was looking for my whole life. And Spike Lee gave it to me. Now, what do you do? Do you stop? Do you keep going? Do you keep pushing? So I kept pushing.
1: All right. So Ism, just to kind of like follow up on that, because you you know you definitely feel like you got some validity from Spike Lee. Do you feel like that same kind of validity from like the hip hop community? No, because we're still
3: fighting to be accepted by the OGs. So no. Have had to carve my own lane and figure things out on my own and hope that people dug it and hope that people, you know, will come to a show or buy the project. As much as I love hip-hop, I don't know if, like, hip-hop would really embrace somebody like me right now. I think that they would embrace somebody like me right now, I'm like a light version of, like, Cakes the Killer or Mickey Blanco, like, I'm like the Diet Pepsi version to like our Mickey Blanco or a cake stakilla. So no, I feel like hip hop still has a long ways to go. But Lil Nas X kinda helped us out a a little bit. So shout out to Montero. Lamont Hill. Thank you, Montmont. I appreciate you, brother. And I don't care what people said about you coming out. Oh, well, why did he come out at first? Because he knew you motherfuckers wouldn't support him. That's why he didn't come out and why he waited until this song was fucking number one for 15 fucking weeks before he did it. We know you're not going to accept it because it's from me, Sam Smith.
0: Oh, I I I love you.
3: Well, why isn't B-slate on Sam Smith level and B-slate will sing circles around Sam Smith? It's different. But we are making our own lane in hip-hop, but some people are starting to fuck with us, but we still
2: have to make our own lane. So, Ism, do you feel like, at least I feel like, hip-hop right now is in a weird place because, as you said, there's a lack of acceptance of someone being openly gay but I think that there's a lot of things within the culture that have been associated with the gay community, right? You, you have a lot of these artists that shadow defense with their style and their sound and their mannerisms that are stereotypically associated with, uh, they are say gayness, but yet, you know, we won't accept a full blown, you know, openly gay person. So like you, you have like the little Uzi birds and uh, the young thugs that have been embraced by a lot of the hardcore um, hip-hop audience. But if you took their style and, you know, 10 years ago, like they probably would have been, you know, like that probably would have been associated with with a gay artist, at least how I see their fashion sense to be. And in the way that they, uh, you know, move around stage and so on and so forth. Like, what is that right now to where it's like, we can take and borrow from the LGBT community, but we still don't fully embrace them?
3: What I think is so crazy, like, to hear straight people or rappers say no shade or talk about shade. It's like, yo, first of all, you know that's from us, right? So where did you hear that from? Where did you get that from? You'll call me a faggot, you'll beat me up, you want to kill me, but you are speaking my vernacular though, and that's okay, right? Whether people want to realize it or not, black LGBT people are in everything. Music, fashion, art, we're in everything basketball, sports, we're in everything. So it's like, yo, like either you're going to get me up and we and we practice war together or you kind of still be a dickhead. Like I'm ready for a time and a place where I don't have to be nervous when I go places. I don't want to have to be nervous when I come on a podcast with straight men. I don't want to have to be uh, apprehensive about what I wear when I leave my house. Like, I shouldn't have to live like that. But that's something that we have to work on as a people. And I really feel like we, and I'm talking about Black folk. I can't speak about anybody else. We're making strides. It's silent. It may not be as public, but we're making strides. But we still have a long way to go. But the fact that P Valley can be popular, polls can be popular, says that we've come a lot, We've come a lot further than I think we have.
2: So back to P Valley. So here's a particular scene that I think mirrors um, your life that you, you haven't seen it yet, um, and I think we maybe can insert the clip if possible. But little murder, he is, uh, you know, currently in the closet. He is in, uh, involved in relationship entanglement with Uncle Clifford. At some point, his secret is slowly being discovered. So one of his homeboys happens to discover mistakenly what's going on between little murder and uncle clifford we need to talk lamarcus
4: Whoa, what did i tell you about using my government name man i saw you coming from down by the river where you know who you said that was on some like one time shit it was i don't get it my dude you got all these bitches the one they puss at you you got the exec coming over from Atlanta to see you do your thing tonight? You rolling around in the bushes because you done caught feeling for Nigga, it. Nigga, I ain't caught nothing. You know what I would heard before? When two people fall in love, their hearts beat on beat with each other. Mm-hmm. That's attraction, man. It's on some chemical... Spiritual connect type shit. Nigga, is you really giving me all this right now? Look, man. I guess you like what you like, and that's cool. Couldn't be me, but heart won't. The heart won't. Can't control that. But what you can control is how many folks know about what you're doing in the dark at the paint. Your so heart ain't gonna get in the way of stacking this motherfucking paper.
2: To little murder surprise, he actually tries to deny what happens. He says it's a one-time thing, but his friend basically says, like, listen, I see what it is. The heart knows what it wants. so wants what it wants, but you got to keep that shit hidden because we got to get to the bag. So I know that you had a similar experience. So, like, would you be so kind to share and how it made you feel because you really don't know how Lil Murder feels about his friend, his homeboy, telling him or giving him those, those directions or that suggestion on how to go about his lifestyle.
3: I was talking to our brother, Jeff, recently about an experience when I was in college. I showed a brother, a man, my music. And he said something to to the groove of, yeah, like, you know, it's cool that you want to rap and everything, but don't tell nobody you gay because they're not going to support you. Nobody's going to want to listen to the music of a gay rapper, so don't do that because it's going to be over for you. And because he was my brother, I believed him. I did my best to not bring that up and to hide that and, and all that, but I was lying to myself for a long time. And I was lying to everybody that I wanted to believe that I was an artist, like, I was just being a liar. And there are rappers that are gay that you wouldn't believe are, but there's so much money that's gone into paying for them to have girlfriends and wives and people on their arms so no one will suspect anything because that's going to fuck the bag up. And that's why so many of us who are don't come out because it's going to fuck the bag up and nobody's going to want to listen to a gay rapper, right? But y'all fuck with Tyler, the creator though, right? So we have to hide and then come out later. We have to get the bag, get, wait, a couple bags first before we come out. If we don't get no bag, you just out and you gotta struggle and come up with a black boy in wonderment to actually get people to
2: fucking pay attention to what the fuck you're doing. Is that what happened to I Love McConan? Because, I, you know, he had one hit song. And, you know, it, it was revealed that that he was gay after Tuesday's joint drop. Yeah. And it seemed like he's been kind of like, just like hustled out the industry. and No one's talking about him. But, I mean, why do you think he's talented enough? I like this music. But, you know, he's kind of like under the radar. It seems to be for good now. And it, he didn't really established like, a, a real, substantial, foundational career at this point. So is that what happened with him? I can't speak for that brother. First of all, peace to McConnell because he didn't
3: have to come out. So peace to that man. I do personally feel that after he came out, that affected what he had gone. Because he was in the trap world, which is dominated by drug dealers, hyper-masculine and black men. Nobody's gonna play that song no more. Why? Because that's gay. So if you play his song, then you gay too. So that kind of fucked it up for everybody. And it's crazy because he has tried to drop music since then and nothing's really happened. And it's almost like, I don't want him to feel like, oh, well, if I didn't come out, I'd still be popping, but you still be lying to yourself. And eventually somebody was gonna catch you in some shit. I can name names of celebrities that you would not believe you would not believe but we won't though (laughs) because Trevor's here so we won't we got the cops here so we can't do that and I'm not like that so I wouldn't do it anyway but it's a gamble coming out if you want to succeed keep your mouth shut if you want to be an artist then live your truth and that's kind of what we're told so we don't come out
2: well, props to you and
3: props to Lil' Murder. First of all, Lil' Murder needs some little more knock in them beats <laughs> if them shippers has gone dance. That's first of all. And second of all, he need to have somebody ghostwrite for him. Like, have Cliff <laughs> ghostwrite for you. Like, he need to come up with, like, something because I wasn't feeling any of his music. And, like, I thought he was going to be fire. Because the gay dudes on the internet are, oh, he's so fine blah, 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 blah. Here, But then there was the other half of the community that was on this whole, oh, they're perpetrating that narrative. Yeah, the same dude that you fuck on the low is now on TV in front of you. And now you don't like it. When I say P-Valley is multi-layered, there are so many layers that we can't even get into right now. Like, we don't have the time. But Team Mercedes, I'm done.
0: Talking about McConan and just what this can do to, to guys' careers, it's rumored that the character of Little Murder is loosely based on Young Buck. And you know, like how his, he kind of rose to fame under G-Unit and kind of doing all of this, you know, popping them things and, you know, all, all this kind of gangster music. And G-Unit was the wave, you know, at the time. And I don't even know if he's fully come out or I think it was like people found out from like his tweets or something like that, right? Since then, it's kind of like his career has taken a bit of a nosedive. Why is it, so especially in a case where a rapper, you've grown to appreciate someone's art for years because he's put out multiple albums, you had multiple albums. You've grown to appreciate this person for the art that they create. Why is it that once you find this thing out about them, that can totally change the temperature on them and someone goes from hot to not in the snap of a finger like that?
3: Because they now think that oh now that they came out, everything they gonna do is gonna be gay. Every song they put out is gonna be gay. The outfit's gonna be gay. The, the, the album cover gonna be gay. Like, why can't I just be like, alright, this is my truth and still be an artist? And then I can't speak on King Buck. First of all, this tidbit of information about the Murder character being based on Buck is a whole other conversation because you now have these straight men that are attracted to trans women that do it in hiding, but in public they beat them up and they kill them. But that's a whole other conversation that we're not ready to have right now. But it's like when things like that happen to black entertainers that are so revered, it's like it ruins everything. And it's because of the demographic that they drew. If the majority of your fan base is female, Trevor, you come out, bye, it's a wrap. You're done. Because the fucking same people that f- fucking put you on a pedestal because they thought you were one thing are gonna drop you as soon as they find out that you're not. That's why I came out. Because I don't want that shit happening to me. I don't want anybody fucking, oh, well, I came to Ism House, he's, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want that shit happening to me. Yeah, I like niggas. Okay, can we get back to the music now? Because I'm about to drop this beat tape and the beat's going to be fire. Like, can we get back to the music? I did this because I had to. Because there are fucked up people in the world that know your truth and will go to whoever will pay them the highest amount of money to spill your beans. That's the shit that we got to go through. That's why we don't come out. And that's why we make people sign NDAs before you even come at my
1: house, you're going to sign an NDA. <laughs> He's like, how do you follow that one up? I um, <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm going to ask a question. I've been trying to, like, craft how I'll ask it. Bear with me. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is the expectation from the LGBT community is that you have to come out? Is there space for yes, I like the same sex or yes, I like this, but I wanna keep it private versus like, oh, I have to come out publicly. Cause you know, it kind of feels like once you become something like the expectation is I have to come out, right? And is there space for that? And do you get looked at negatively by your community if you don't?
3: I've been waiting for this question all night. I have to mind my words right now because it can get a bit raw. You're supposed to come out because you're gay. I'm so tired of being on Twitter and seeing people talk shit about Harry Styles. Maybe Harry Styles is straight. Maybe you should fucking get the fuck off his dick and leave him the fuck alone. Oh, he need to come out. He need to come out. This whole pressure for people to come out so there's this whole collective, I knew it. I knew he was a faggot. I knew she was a dyke. I knew it. People get off on that. That's why they want you to come out. And it's not about, hey, you walk in your truth. You have peace in your soul. When you write a song, when you make a beat, you make that beat with your whole being. They don't give a fuck about that. People want to be right about who the fuck they think you are. So nobody cares about you coming out so that you can have peace and be successful. No, they want something to tweet about. They want something to get on their YouTubes and create a whole fucking conspiracy theory about your faggot ass because that's all they got to do. Nobody cares about us having peace and being able to walk in our truth and still make money and still be successful. They don't care about that. It's a storyline. It's a headline for them.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, No, that's good. I think what... Something I want to go back to that we talked about earlier, but relates to this is kind of getting to that level of, I don't want to say tolerance. I want to say kind of understanding and respect, right? I know for me, I don't think I was ever homophobic, but I think that as many of us in this community kind of grow up, you kind of grow up thinking something's wrong or maybe not understanding it or maybe not wanting it around you, right? And I was uh, my first year, I'll say my second first year, cause I transferred, but my freshman year, uh, my second first year of college, I was in a triple room dorm. So for those who haven't been to college, just like three people in, in a single room. Didn't know any of my roommates before we got there. One of the guys had come from a very religious family. And this is way back in the day. So we didn't all have laptops. So one guy in the room had a desktop computer. So sometimes we kind of like go on his computer to kind of, you know, work up stuff, look on stuff. YouTube wasn't even really popping back then. So to kind of give you a timestamp, the two of us had become like friends, had become with this group of friends, me and the guy with the computer. The other guy was kind of in his own little circle Um, over time. The guy who had the computer started to suspect that our third roommate was using his computer to look at gay porn and and eventually he put like some sort of tracker on his computer so he could see what sites people had went to needless to say his little tracker kind of confirmed that our third roommate was in fact using his desktop computer to look at gay porn and i remember when he kind of confronted the roommate about it, how he, how the guy just broke down, the kid, because we were freshmen, just really broke down into tears about it. And he was telling us about how his parents had kind of raised him in this household. Like I think, like I, said, I think his dad was a pastor or a stepdad. His mom, they were both very heavily involved in the church. And you come to college to kind of like have that first time away from your home to kind of discover yourself, to express yourself. And here's this kid who's finally got out the house, who's finally got a shot to kind of live his life and be who he is. And the moment he's out there, he's kind of in this, that close circle as you can be in in the comfort of your dorm room with just your roommates. And we kind of found this out about him. And I'm ashamed to say we didn't make it easy for him. You know, like we were young and like kind of maybe a phone at him. I don't remember exactly what was said, but like I saw this kid break down and wrestle with who he is as a person and wrestle with the fact that he couldn't, Be himself and that he'd almost been like fighting this as if there was a demon inside him that he didn't want to come out and it was in that moment and in that conversation that i understood what it must feel like right to kind of never have a chance to be yourself and from that moment on i had a much greater understanding of what that lifestyle is like and how it's not that different from any of us like you're just trying to be who you are And you have to struggle with that because of the way the society is. So I bring that up to say that like not everyone gets a chance to experience something like that firsthand. Not everyone gets to get to know a person that may be of a different, you know, culture or orientation or whatever it might be other than what they've kind of grown up knowing. And without that exposure, I don't think it's fair to kind of claim ignorance for everyone else, but like it's a systemic problem, right? Like racism is that like people just don't get exposed to the possibility and the layers of people other than, oh, this person doesn't think the way that I think or doesn't like the same orientation that I do so curious to know if if you guys have had any experiences like that that kind of like helped to shape who you are and how you view things because we all did grow up in this community which we talk about you know having this kind of homophobic just way of life
3: Well, personally I feel that racism and homophobia and transphobia and misogyny are learned behaviors that's my personal thought on it I feel that Because you are exposed to something, once you're exposed to it, like you, I first of all, I feel bad for him. I feel really, 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 really bad for him because that's a horrible way for people to find out you're gay. And you're in college in a room with two other people like, bro, like, why didn't you go to the computer lab and do that like how everybody else did? But I feel for him because that was traumatic. And then, Your parents are, like, super religious, so it's not like you can go to your mom or your father and talk to them about these things, which is why brotherships are so important. But I'm going to stop.
1: So, yeah, I'll jump in here. I guess one of my my own personal experiences that I had, so I had someone, you know, was a, a good friend. Actually, I went to high school with them. Eventually, um, we went to college together. I always kind of suspected, but like never really knew and never really could confirm. Also happened to be a brother as well. Right. And, you know, one day, you know, we, we were just on the phone. He was talking to me about how he had to, you know, and, you know, it was a bigger, like a greater conversation about all this. But like how he had to go take like a HIV test. Right. And he was talking about how you know, he had to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, relatively normal. Like, you know, we're 2021, sexually active, whatever, like that happens. Right. But he started explaining like someone like me, I'm at like greater risk. And I'm like, I'm kind of not understanding like why. And then eventually he just up and said it like, well, I'm gay. And, you know, in that moment, it was me understanding like, well, yes, I was right. And like, I under, but that wasn't really it. It was wow, he, like, he finally did it. Like, he finally got to this point in his life where he was okay. And that was, and, like, I knew that that was, like, a giant weight lifted from him, right? Um, As well as, like, you know, for me to be able to share, like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, it, it's not, like, things are going to be any different. And, you know, like, we still continued, like, our connection and our friendship. And, like, you know, shit, y- years later when, like, he celebrated a birthday. Like, I definitely went, you know, to like a gay bar with him, right? Like it was just not a big deal. And I always try to like show love and support in that way. But like in that moment, like it certainly like dawned on me, it was like, yo, like what's so different about the lifestyle? Like, yes, I like ladies, he likes men. Like what's, but what's really that different? Like ultimately what we do know is love is love and your heart's gonna be broken the same way my heart's gonna be broken. And it's like all these things kind of are just gonna happen. So yeah, that was kind of, you know, I don't know. 20 year old sam 21 year old sam like that was kind of like the my first real like exposure in that way i wish i had a particular aha moment uh but i think i'm more
2: fortunate than most people from the the time i was like four years old my mother owned a salon you know and i just remember like i had a uncle carol you know like who was an older gay man who you know i didn't know what gay was at the time but you know I, i know we went to the beach he wore pink speedos and you Come know, he was like, that, he, yeah, he, he was like the black Liberace, very fancy, um, very sophisticated gentleman, and I loved him. You know, he bro, was the shit. You know, he recently passed away. Like, li- was, lived a full was, life. You know, was Uncle Clifford based off him? <laughs> no, he, he was different. I'm saying he, he was like, think about like a Liberace, like he was very fancy. You know, very fancy, great guy, older gentleman. So you know, he was a part of my upbringing. Um, the same way my mother had. You know, male hair hairstylists that uh, worked in the salon who you know I I thought they were just different and, and funny. And so, you know, I I never really had an issue with it. And then when I became 16, I got more familiar with my biological father and I met my sister, you know, who was a lesbian. My father, even him being a Muslim, he, he never had an issue with it because he just said, like, from the time my older sister, who when she was the age of three, he's like, yo, like, that's the boy. And I mean that like all due respect, you know, like. She just was always going to be into that type of stuff. Like, you can't see her be with a man. Like, and then on top of that too, and, you know, I haven't revealed this, but my grandmother was gay, my father's mother, you know, she was a lesbian, you know, and she more or less like just basically the man that she was with wasn't even a real relationship, it was just for her to have a child. So that's how my father got here. So my relationship with, like, the lifestyle, well, practiced by the LGBT community, gay people, like, it's just, I don't really see that taboo. And- you know, like, obviously I, I become more exposed, more knowledgeable, more educated as time goes on. My wife is into the fashion industry. I'm into fashion, you know? You can't respect the crap if you don't respect the creators behind it. So I can never come out my mouth and just start, you know, not appreciating gay people if I'm wearing Versace or wearing this particular brand. There's nothing more gay than that, you know? So you gotta be okay with what the people who create it, the things that you say that you love. Thank you! Yeah. Fuck! How dare you write a song called
3: Versace and you get a fucking opportunity to perform a Saturday Night Live, but you don't wanna do it with Katy Perry because trans women and drag queens are gonna be on stage. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that out of my system. Woo! But I got two points and then I'm done. Like, I'm done for the night. Cause it's 1115 and I know Trevor has to go. Because we we've been taking too long. Two things. I swear to God, I'll be quick. I had an Uncle Clifford in my life when I was in high school. He wasn't Uncle Clifford, but he was Uncle Clifford, if you get what I'm saying. My Uncle Clifford was the guy that was assisting with the HIV testing and the condoms and shit in my town. See these young gay black boys coming in and... He kind of took us in. It went from going to get condoms to him saying, I have a a meeting every Wednesday. You guys should come. And we started to go and we started to learn things about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves and and being safe about sex and things of that nature. Like young gay black boys don't have an upper Clifford. I'm glad that I had mine in the way that I had mine because if not, I'd probably be dead because I'd probably be a whore. And I would have been kicked out of my house and had to turn to fucking sex work and I'd have been killed. So he saved us. And that's why I love Uncle Clifford so much because even though Uncle Clifford has a very weird way of saying that he cares, you know that he cares. And I think some of the women didn't have that and that's why they revered Uncle Clifford so much and why Uncle Clifford is such a big deal to me for the show. Trev was saying how, like, what can we do to bridge the gap or something to that effect. I'm going to try to get on that because that was something that I wanted to touch on as well. But it was something that all of you kind of in a roundabout said, uh, in a roundabout way said or touched on. But all you have to do is do what you're doing now. Nobody's asking you to lay out a red carpet when somebody tells you they're gay what do you do okay nothing's gonna change do so my homie that means more than anything there are people that have come out and i can send you footage there are people that have found out that their friends were gay invited them over to the house had somebody tape it and they beat the shit out of them. everybody doesn't have a jeff i wish everybody could have a jeff especially like gay black boys. I wish every gay black boy could have a Jeff. So when they grow up, they know how to have functional relationships with other black men and not be afraid of them and not be scared to come on a podcast to talk with people they pleasure with. What you're doing right now is what's needed. So yeah, I'm going to say thank you. Yeah, I'm going to say you don't know how much it means because you don't know how much it means because there's a younger ism that's gonna hear this. You're doing the work that needs to be done. So what can we do? You're doing it. You got your gay brother to come on to your show and have a conversation about shit that we've been all over the freaking place all night. Sorry, Trev. But you're doing the work. That's all that we could ask for. Just be accepting and help do the work because we're doing work too. Just do your work. Respect black women revere them because they gave birth to us be respectful of your lgbt friends and family because without our family we don't have nothing and then we gotta turn t- to sex work and be killed in the street because you don't love us and you won't try to accept us just leave a door open no i know i'm not a part of that lifestyle but you're my brother my sister my cousin and i love you and i don't want anyone to hurt you that's all you gotta do Thank you very, very
1: much. (laughs) Thank you for that.
3: That's all you gotta do. It's mad simple. It's not no fucking rocket science. Fucking be a human and fucking show fucking care, man. I'm tired of being scared of black, but I'm tired of it. I gotta force myself to do shit like this to reinforce my faith in my own people because I'm so scared of my
2: brothers and I don't wanna have to be. You're doing the work, period. So for me growing up, I think many of us can relate you know we've seen a lot of different epithets dropped you know to um, describe our gay brothers uh, our, our gay sisters we're in the year 2020 definitely seeing that there's a more acceptance I would just say tolerance because I don't think the society's to the point of acceptance but like how far have we come and how has it gotten better for you and your friends just living day to day where we're at right now in 2020 and that we have shows like, P-Valley and like Pose out there? First of all, Pose was like our win.
3: Like we finally got something that represents our culture the right way from people that were in it and not executives telling our story for us from other gay people that they were friends with. So they just kind of adapted a story and created a whole series about something that they don't know shit about. Pose was our win. I kind of feel like we still have a long way to go because my trans sisters are still being murdered and now our trans brothers are being murdered and I don't wear certain things in my neighborhood because I don't want to be attacked. So even though we may have made strides, we're still like on guard in our minds because the world is still not safe. Not even for black people, period. We haven't even gotten to the black LGBTQA plus I, MLP community. We're talking just being black, period. It's just not safe for us. So to add that on top of it, it's like, holy shit, like, have we really
2: made progress? Speaking of which, so I remember when I was a senior, um, I, well, not a senior, but I did my post-baccalaureate from, from Kenyon University. I studied sociology, and I, I did one of my projects of, quote, unquote, uh, homophobia in a black community. But my question to you is because I sometimes ask myself, is it really a homophobia problem in the black community or is it just homophobia problem throughout all communities? I would even say that there's a lot of things about the black community in general that embraces a lot of things that are exclusive to the LGBT community. I mean, you could even say that, and I say this, you know, from other people saying this, church is like the gayest place You know, the black church is a gay place to be, period. I think everybody in the church actually knows, you know, that the choir director is gay. But my question to you is, and you know, even as far as the androgynous and artists wearing makeup and high heels and so on and so forth, is it so much that it's just like a black thing? Like, are black people homophobic? First of all, I know you just did not ask me
3: if black people are homophobic. Black people are the most homophobic but black people are homophobic because we have been programmed to this certain type of thing. And anything that deviates outside of that thing
2: is devilment. So like religion is, you would say, is probably a part of that?
3: Absolutely, that, okay. proponent, because it's in the Bible, and the Bible teaches, and Jesus said, and when I was growing up in church, when I was finally starting to kind of like understand like, okay, I don't know if I like girls, like they're really cool and they're cool to be friends and stuff, but like, I don't want to kiss her, but I want to be her friend. But Church is telling me that I can't like what I like or what I think I might like. So the issue is with all ethnicities, it's not just black folk, but I'm black. I can't speak about white people go through what Asian people go through, what African people go through, which is the worst. Like it's like African people, then black people when it comes to like homophobia and all that shit, like you can get stoned in Africa, like stoned.
2: But you also could be stoned in the Middle East as well. My question is, cause I, I'm black, you know, I like to believe that three people on this podcast are homophobic. Is it fair to, and obviously you can only speak from your experience, but there is a narrative, a larger narrative when you see homophobia, it's black people are thrown in it. And I think every other group of people It's a pass, and I think the overall narrative is damaging to black people as a general because it seems like we have a lot of dysfunction going on with us where others can just ignore it. Unfortunately for black people, we don't have the luxury of having the actions of one person represent that particular person. So if there's a a homophobic piece of shit black person, you know, causing pain on one of our gay brothers and sisters, it makes every black straight male look like they're homophobic. And from my experience and the people I associate with, people I kick it with, we're not gay bashing, we're not dropping the F word. Like, you know, we're on some pretty, we're on some chill stuff. Sexuality, it's not your business, what me and my wife do in the bedroom. And I'm not going to talk about that. And the same thing goes for you. Like, you're my brother who just so happens to be attracted to the same sex. I know that. And what you do in your bedroom, it's not my business. Jeff, I gotta stop you here Mm -hmm. because you hit
3: so many things that I have to tackle because I know we got a little top thing going on, Trevor. I'm with you, brother, I'm with you. First of all, the first time that I was called a faggot was by a black man. The panel that we have in front of us, y'all called me a faggot. Y'all jumped me. Y'all helped me at gunpoint and robbed me. Y'all raped me. Y'all told me I was ugly. Y'all told me that if I wanted to be with you, I had to go to the gym. A lot of the trauma that I've experienced has been at the hands of my own people. I can't speak about anybody else's experience Because mine is so traumatic that I don't have time to speak on on anybody else's shit. But what I can say is that I'm so grateful for the black men in the world that are like, yo, like, I don't give a fuck about what you, like, I don't give a fuck about your sexuality like you, cool. Just hearing those words means so much. But on the other hand, I hate to do this. This may not be a very popular thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. There are some of my folk that cross boundaries with our straight brothers. And they build this type of hate because somebody, they crossed that boundary. They disrespected them. They tried to do something in their sleep. They sent them a picture. They sent a text message. And now they fuck all these gay niggas. Fuck all these faggots. And that's how they build that shit and they hold on to that shit. So every gay person they meet, that trauma that they experienced with that one gay person is attached to every gay person that they've ever met in their entire life.
2: And am I going too far. No, you're definitely not going too far. And I think it's very honest for you to say that. But I think, and I'm just trying to create some dialogue so we, you know, this could be a conversation. And I'm not even looking to challenge the notion, but the same way you said, there's some brothers or some black men who may have been hit on. Look, I have a story to share. Like I actually went down to um, Piedmont Park to Atlanta during Labor Day weekend. Uh, no, it, 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 why would they do that? Yeah, question. Why would I do that? Because I don't know what goes on. You
1: didn't on. know. I,
2: you didn't know. Why would I know? I was the only black. It was me. It was Craig, Christian, a whole bunch of brothers who Oh, who my God. Black. Oh, my God. Who weren't black. And we're just like, yo, we're going to go um, down to Atlanta to go kick it with, like, Christian Lopez's family and whatnot. So, literally, I'm in Atlanta. Jeff, what? You know? Bro, I got hit on everywhere I went. The mall, the park, and it was just like a running joke. And I, and back then I was like on my like my Rico Suave shit. I was wearing my button ups. So I had my my S curls popping. Like my jeans were more fit. Like I would be at the club. I was single at the time, and I would try to talk to a woman, and then I would just get interrogated. Like yo, like uh, like you sure you're not gay? Like you sure you're straight? And I'm like yo, I'm straight as Indian here. Like I'm just so happy to be here. Like I even had someone hit me up on on a message. This kid who. Come to find out, he is gay. That I was cool with. Um, And he's just like, "Yo, what's up, man? Like, what are you doing?" But what are you doing in Atlanta? I'm just like, "Yo, I'm just chilling." He's like, "Yeah, I." Right. So, but my thing is because I'm secure myself, that didn't change how I how I kick it with you, you know, or any other person. So I'm not comparing my situation right. to you. I, obviously, I, I was not attacked or drugged or anything like no, that. Like, no, you know, it was very like I said. And all no wasn't was <laughs> with them hitting on me. They would say something, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's what's up. I'm straight." And then they would keep it moving. And some of them would try to get a little sassy and, and, say, and do something else, say something else. But, you know, at the end of the day, that was just that weekend for me. You know, and it's a funny story that I share amongst my boys and my brothers. And it was like, ha, huh, I kind of know how it, how it feels to be a woman, you know, at this point where I couldn't even walk 10 feet without getting noticed or being hit on. But I'm also not putting that label of, man, these over these overaggressive, these, uh, these disrespectful gay men. I know that you've had, you know, your fair share of experiences with black men. And this is like, like I said, your situation has been much more traumatic because you've been physically attacked and whatnot. But I also have to just say that I think that there's more people who have your back than you probably know. Like, I just at least if the people that I kick it with are being honest with me, no one really gives a fuck about like that. There are very, very few people like you, though. And that's the
3: thing. I remember when I was talking to our brother Desmar and I was telling him about my last relationship. I told him about about how, you know, I kind of had a feeling dude was doing some shit with my best friend. And I brought it to, to his attention and he beat the shit out of me. And I didn't tell anybody. I went to work with lumps in my head. The inside of my mouth was busted. I didn't tell anybody. And I told Desmar maybe a couple years ago when he spasmed me, he was like, yo, why do not you say anything? Like, why didn't you call us? Why am I going to call you and tell you that a man beat me up? Why would I do that? So you're, oh, we going to get the call. No, like, you, why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you defend yourself? I didn't want to hear that. First of all, he was 6'4 and fresh out of a seven-year bid for manslaughter. No, I'm not going to fucking fight that. Don't, yeah, listen, I made some fucked up choices in my life. Okay, I fucked up in life. But the fact that I know that I have brothers that will, that are accepting brothers that, you know, and not just like crap, but just brothers like Black men, and period. Knowing that I have some of them makes me not fear Black men as much as I did. That's why Black Boy Wonderment means so much to me because I went and I asked other Black men to help me. Hey, I got this song. I really thought you would be dope on it then they kill it and then we have that conversation and it's like yo bro like i mean i already knew but like i don't care like you're dope smooth perry who's on fight for love that's my birthday twin that meant he is the reason why i have my t-shirt on. i have had to go through everything that i went through to learn that i can actually have brothership with other black men and that means more to me than black women i got that on lock but it's brotherships that mean a lot to me. It means a lot to other gay black men too, but I don't have a Jeff. I don't have like, everybody doesn't have a Jeff or a Trevor or a Saint. You know what I'm saying? Like people like me don't have people like that. So it was like to a point where like, I would be nervous. Like if like I'm out somewhere where like people start talking to me, I'd be scared. Like, I'm like, I don't mm-mm. like, why are you talking to me? Cause if you find out what's really good with me, you gonna beat the shit out of me. So why would I like? Why are we even talking? And then I find out that these are the coolest fucking people on earth. I grew up my my whole life being scared of my own brothers. To turn thirty, to turn thirty five, and actually have brotherships with the people that I wanted brotherships with when I was younger, when I was in high school, when I was getting teased and beat up. I didn't know that that I could have that. So. To do this with y'all, like, it really means a lot to me. And I can just hope that any brothers that hear this take something from it. Any gay dude you meet don't want you, okay? We don't want you. You wanna know why we don't want you? Because you probably trifling as fuck. You got baby mamas, all these kids you ain't taking care of, and you probably don't wash your dick properly. So no, we don't want you. Damn! How about you just be a friend? I'm sorry, like, I have had to rip into a couple of straight brothers, like, I'm sorry, I don't mean no harm. But I did that because I felt attacked. I felt like something was gonna happen to me. I had to stand up for myself in some way. So if I gotta dig at you, I'ma dig at you. And I don't wanna feel like that when it comes to my brothers, you know? In my neighborhood, there's a trans sister and it's crazy because she's mad pretty. And every time I see her, I watch her go to wherever she goes and then I come home because the D boys in the neighborhood had a little issue with me, 2018. And I thought something was going to happen. to me. He apologized to me, actually, which I thought was actually really, really dope. He might have been high, but he still apologized, which I appreciated. He was trying to sell me weed. I said, no, I'm good. And I was all types of faggots and I should fuck you up. Boom, woman, woman, this and that. I stopped going out of my house after 10 o'clock because of that. Yeah, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. When black men get on a bus, I get nervous. If they sit across from me on a train, I get nervous. I don't want to have to live my life for the rest of my life like that. Because I'm trying to fix everything I went through in my youth. That's why Black Boy Wonderman means so much to me. That's why I named that record, that why I only worked with Black men on that album. Not the guy that mixed it. Shout out to Emilio who misimagined it because he killed it. He's a white boy, but that's my guy. But even Emilio, cool dude, shows me nothing but love and respect.
0: It's all good, man. You talked about homophobia, right? I'm getting like basically your whole life you've kind of felt unsafe in fear from your family, from your friends, from your community, the people that look like you. And that honestly, man, that, like I said, we go back, man, that breaks my heart, man. I'm sorry that that's the way that you have to go about your day is living in fear of who you are and the man that you kind of walk out the door as and where you're going and looking over your shoulder every time. But on this show, and again, we appreciate having you on here. You know, we like to have the hard conversations to get to How do we move forward into finding a solution, right? Like how do we kind of make it better? How do we end that or at least increase the education so that people can think about it a different way? And one thing that you brought up, like having guys like us that kind of can see that bigger picture that can kind of see the other side and just accept someone as a man or as who they are. I know one thing that's impacted me in that way is like having real life experience and interactions with people that might be of a different sexual orientation than yourself. That's what makes me want to just bring the question, the nature versus nurture thing. And Jeff brought up how the question of it, is it really that blacks are that homophobic or is it this culture where you kind of don't get exposed to the humanity or the goodness that can be in someone that's of a different sexual orientation because you're so much in this bubble where like you're told this is wrong you're told oh don't be like that and if you're Caribbean if you're from you know Jamaica you hear like a bati boy. or if you you know if you're in Harlem you might hear a homo or the F word or like you know you're brought up around this culture that does nothing but demean this but you never see the other right. side. So how do we move to a place where more people can get exposed to the positivity and the beauty of it that exists?
3: First of all, and nobody asked you to ask me that loaded ass question. I'm going to answer it. Then I got to go back to what you started off with. I'm going to say it. people have to want to be exposed to other things to understand it. There's your answer. Because if you say the sky is blue, you should really check it out. It's cool. Ain't no motherfucking sky blue on my world. My sky black, motherfucker. Fuck that blue shit. I don't fuck with that blue shit. That blue shit weird. It's not just black people. Everyone has their gripes with people of another orientation or people that think another way that they may not agree with or whatever, what have you. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I need you as much as you need me. And when it comes down to it, if me and you are in a car and we get pulled over by a white cop, they don't give a fuck about me being a faggot. They see niggers and they shoot and they kill. So me being gay ain't got shit to do with nothing. We're still black men. You're my brother. I'm your brother. Even in like, there have been times where, I'll be honest, when we were about to go on lockdown. No, sorry. We were on lockdown in North, over here. And... I went to the dollar store to get some stuff and I was going to walk toward the bus and these white cops sped up on these Black homeless people that were outside of the family dollar and I got scared and I waited. Yeah, you homeless. Yeah, if you knew I was gay, you probably called me all types of shit. Yeah, okay, but you're Black. It has nothing to do with orientation. What I need heterosexual Black men to understand is you need us as much as we need you, period. And if we have to leave you behind, we will leave you behind. But the revolution is going to happen with or without you. So either you get in line with all of us, black women included, you get in line with all of us, or you get left behind. Because people are changing, black people are changing, black men are understanding that, okay, there are gonna be people that are not gonna be like me. But okay, cool. The fact that you brought me on the show to have uncomfortable conversations about this says a
2: lot about you, period. All of you. It shouldn't be a big deal. I really just want to get to the point to where it's like, we're brothers. Like, I appreciate your gratitude, but, you know, it does hurt my heart that this type of dialogue is so rare that you feel like we're doing something special. It's just humanity.
3: You are doing something special, and that's what I need you to understand and grasp. You are doing something special. Don't take it as a negative. The people that are, that are going to hear this are going to pull something from it. So in the event that a cousin comes out gay, a brother, sister comes out gay, they
2: know how to say, cool, I'm here for you. I just can't see how like, how, like I said, I'm not quite sure if black people exclusively are homophobic. But I will say this, as black people, there should be a different level of empathy. Like we should have more empathy for our gay brothers and sisters than anybody else. And I'll tell you why. And we had this conversation before. I get made fun of, my wife and I get made fun of because we're super affectionate. Like we're that couple. Like we go out, I slap her ass, I kiss her, I hold her hand, walk in the street. I don't have to think twice about showing something that I was born with, which is love. I can freely express my love to my wife and I'll be out and I people watch and I'll see obviously like a gay couple or like a lesbian couple. And they're just like more apprehensive to hold hands. And we're probably in safe spaces. You know, we're in public. It. You're not going to get, at least not in my watch, they're so not going to get attacked in broad daylight at like 2 in the afternoon in the middle of Broad Street. But, but with that be- I, I know we, we don't do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. We,
3: and, we, yeah we, but we get beat up and shot at and robbed. So no, we can't do that. So, so that's so a part of our privilege. And you kiss her in public, you be grateful that you can do
2: that. It's privilege. Because everybody it's, can. It's definitely privilege. And we have to check our own privilege. Like. The fact that until maybe like an Armand Arbery, like as a black man, even just as a man in general, like I could jog without being whistled at. I can jog without feeling like I'm going to get kidnapped because I was born with a dick, and and that's just you know, and it's it's really that simple. So my brother, guy, I really hope people start to really just be more empathetic to realize that the things that we just do naturally, people really have to think twice about like people are in fear to do
1: it and you certainly don't have to be afraid here so you definitely have three supporters over here who got you and and will definitely hold you down but as you kind of like transition out i did want to you know give you the opportunity to kind of talk about where people can find you are you working on anything where can people see you at first of all again thank you for having me on Instagram, the underscore
3: ism3000. I will be performing for the Free World Fest this coming Friday. If you want the details for it, just follow me on Instagram because I'm still trying to figure out what platform I'm going to use. It's going to be about a good hour set. So roll up, pour up, and get ready for the vibes because it's going to be a show. The Quote Me Collection at Quote Me LLC on Instagram t-shirts. I feel weird doing this. It feels weird. Just follow me on fucking Instagram, Twitter. The the underscore is my my music is on all of the streaming platforms. It's beat tapes, spoken word projects, all of that. But definitely, what I do want to say is keep doing the work. You don't know how much it means where you are, but please keep doing the work, brothers. Please keep doing the work. And I'm not talking about like gay shit. I'm talking about period. The things that you've touched so far are conversations that need to be had. Keep doing the work.
2: Thank you, bro. Definitely loved hearing that, man. That means a great deal to me as well. It means a lot to all of us. And yeah, man, we're not going to make it weird, bro. You are a boy, you know? And, you know, We 15 years in. And that's what it's always going to be, man. So I'm not even going to say, oh, you got to stay space here and all that type of stuff, man. You don't hold me, bro. And that's all it is to it. Yo, if you guys like house music, if you like hip hop, which I'm a huge fan of both. Check out Black Boy Wonderment. It's like one of my favorite albums. This is like not even like just a plug. Cause the isms, my boy. It's just great music. So check it out, man. Yeah,
0: man. I don't have much to add that these guys are say already, man. But we're boys and brothers, anything. You know, we got a bond that runs deep, man. So it's really our pleasure to to have you on the show and to have you speak openly and candidly about your life and to provide some insight for those who may not had the opportunity to kind of have those direct conversations or interactions with anyone so so we try to do on the show every week and we're going to continue doing the work if for no reason other than to make sure you're proud of us man so thank you for coming through you're always welcome here look forward to kind of catching our next show brother Again, super honored to have Ism on the show. So shout out to him. Make sure you guys go ahead and check out his music and support him. I Hit him with a follow on Instagram. As we wrap this one up, I'm going to give another special shout out to Tyler Perry, man, for crossing the Billy mark, man. It's super impressive to see another black man uh, reach that mark. And nothing but respect for him and what he's been doing to kind of shatter glass ceilings in an industry. And building out his own studios to reach that level. As always, man, shout out to you guys for listening and rocking with us. This was a very special topic and a special episode, as we kind of said at the start of the show. And that's what we're here to do every week, every Monday, man. We're here to get into difficult topics, talk about the stories and the conversations that need to be had. So... I implore you guys to not just listen and share on social media, but spark up a conversation with your neighbor, your friend, that person you went to high school with that's always ranting and raving on Facebook, man. Have these real conversations with the people in your circle so that we can really affect change out here. That's what we're working to do to meet the standards of folks like the ISM and what they're expected from us with the show every week. So in the meantime, in between time, man, make sure y'all hit that follow button on social media at FRFR, the podcast. Rate, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Hit us up, man. Let us know what y'all think. Till next week, peace.